What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. My name is Pastor Jay. I'm the Associate Pastor of Preaching and Teaching, along with my father and pastor, Savior Pastor of Eastern Star Church, Pastor Jeffrey L. Johnson Sr. How you doing, sir? I'm fine, son. Everything's good today? Everything is good. Uh, working on this weekend, you know, it's a lot of stuff that's happening digitally this weekend. Uh, with yes. The last scenes, and of course, Easter Sunday. So, um, as you as you know, we continue to stay busy even when the doors are closed. And well, I'm I'm glad God has given us this wonderful opportunity to minister at such a high level, um, despite all of this or because of all of this. So this is actually a good time to be in ministry. As you know, we've been you've been doing a lot of preaching and teaching uh, digitally. And for those of you who are tuning in, if you haven't um, already. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube page, our uh, podcast page, like us on Facebook and Instagram to get caught up on all the sermons that have been preached so far this year. And uh, this past Wednesday, uh, you preached a sermon out of Hebrews encouraging God's people about the blood work of Jesus. So the more we do these interviews and having these conversations, the more I want to start our conversation off with a sermon in the sentence. Um, I want you to just explain, perhaps in the sentence, if people missed it, or just remind people who were able to tune in, what was your sermon in the sentence? What were you trying to get across to God's people in that message? Yeah, I just wanted us to understand that the blood sacrifice that Jesus made on Calvary has really benefited us in, in a multiplicity of ways. Yeah. So then you opened up with your own testimony about uh, you having or you being diagnosed with cancer and going through that whole process. Um, and you speak of that testimony often about just how God continues to heal and you are living proof of that. So especially in times like this, like it's important for us to continue to use our testimony because uh, you're now your sermons are being exposed to more people, as you say, than ever before. So how's it, how important is it for us to continue to, uh, share our testimony and share our story in these times. Yeah, my, Mike Davis, uh, who's still a, a good friend of mine, we stay in contact with each other. He used to be the men's basketball coach for uh, Indiana University, and now he's at Detroit Mercy in Detroit. Right. And um, and he had a, such a great testimony, and he wouldn't always tell us. So I said, Mike, you never get tired of telling your testimony. And yeah. so I'm taking my own advice that I gave to Mike Davis that I don't want to get tired of telling my own testimony. Um, in the book of Revelation, it says, and they overcame him, speaking of the enemy, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And uh, I, I always tell my testimony about the deliverance from, from cancer because I know that cancer is um, running rampant throughout our nation yeah. and that so many people get it. I had a, when, I, when I had cancer and God delivered me, I got a letter from a 15-year-old girl, and I, I treasure that letter. And, and one of the things she said, she wrote just, I mean, for a 15-year-old to sit down and write an old man a letter. Yeah. So she said, um, she said, everybody, she said, I heard that you had cancer and that you got healed. And, I, and she's like, I thank God that you made it. She said, everybody that I've ever known to have cancer, everybody I've ever heard that had cancer had died. And so I just want to encourage people um, that no matter what disease you have, that God is Jehovah uh, Rapha. He's the God that heals. And so I, I opened up with what just what that blood meant 
in terms of the deliverance that I was able to receive. I didn't have any, I didn't have any symptoms. I didn't have any pain. I just finished running one marathon. I was heading to San Antonio to run another marathon. Uh, we had done our, uh, our fasting and praying and I never went back. I just kept eating fruit and vegetables and drinking water. And, and I was running 110 miles a month for five straight months to train for a marathon. And, uh, and no symptoms. I just went to the doctor just to make sure everything was fine, even though I didn't feel nothing. And, and if it wasn't for that blood work, had he not run those blood tests, yeah. that 15-year-old girl would have added me to the others that didn't make it. And, and the Holy Spirit said, Jeffrey Johnson, if the blood of a human being can reveal what's wrong with them and get in a plan to take care of it, how much more should the blood work of Jesus? Sure. That the blood of Jesus reveals what's wrong with us and then removes what's wrong with us. And, and so that's kind of how we opened it up. And hopefully my testimony uh, was designed to draw people in uh, so that they'll be ready to hear now uh, what Jesus, the blood of Jesus is able to do for them. Yes, and as we sing all the time, the blood still works. So as you said in that sermon, uh, it took Jesus one time to ensure that all of us can experience salvation for those of us who can believe. So in times such as this, where we have to continue to change gloves and continue to change you know, masks, continue to wash our hands, the very fact that Jesus had to do it one time to cleanse us, to cleanse us of all of our sins, how important is, this, is it for us to recognize and reflect on that one time? Yeah, one of the, one of the what, what I've tried to do this week, uh, those who were paying attention during this holy week, this, this passion period of Jesus, is uh, to really focus in on the, the, the blood sacrifice that he's made and kind of walk through it. So I've been, every day I say a little bit more about it. And one of the things I focused on was in the Old Testament, the priest and the high priest would sacrifice animals. And they would do that every day. The priest would sacrifice animals every single day in the holy place for the sins of people. Because people sinned every day. And every time somebody sinned, sin is so serious until something has to die. Right. Where there is no shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And then on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go into the holy place and the holiest place, the Holy of Holies, and sacrifice a goat, shed that goat's blood. And every year you have to do that because people sinned every year. But the blood of Jesus was so awesome. He only had to shed his blood one time. Uh, Hebrews 10 and 14, he did it once for all forever that's the kind of power his blood has and and hopefully we'll we'll be receptive to the word of god so that people won't feel like that they need to go somewhere else to find some other sacrifice there is no other sacrifice for sin and jesus doesn't have to keep doing anything and you don't have to keep doing anything not in terms of getting right with god because jesus he already did it he paid the penalty for our sin he did it one time and his blood is so powerful that every sin we've ever committed has been forgiven. The sin we might be thinking about right now and the sin we might do next week, all that is already forgiven. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus was. And we need to be receptive of that. The, the writer of the book of Hebrews was clear. Stop trying to find some other means to get what you already have. You already have that salvation and forgiveness and a right relationship with God through the sacrifice that Jesus made by shedding his blood. 
Yeah, and that's important for us to even, as we walk into this uh, Easter weekend, Re Resurrection weekend, and even reflect on Good Friday, uh, just reflect and, and pause and celebrate uh, the blood that was shed. And another thing that we are doing at Eastern Star Church, uh, as, as we do every second Sunday, is have communion. And uh, this, time, this time around, uh, the way in which we will uh, break bread together and share in uh, the Last Supper together in communion together will be much different as, as years in the past. And uh, we could say that time and time again, over and over again, because of the circumstances, the crisis that we are in. But it's still important for us to reflect and remember on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so along with communion, along with Resurrection Sunday, along with even how we operate in ministry uh, during these past several weeks, traditions have been challenged. The way we think and operate in the past have been challenged. And one, and one of the ways in which we're recognizing that this weekend is through communion. So what are, as we talk about, you know, traditions, what are some traditions that you appreciate about the church, um, appreciate about growing up and, and having your experience in the church? What are some traditions that you, you appreciate even still today? Uh, yeah, and, and, I, and I, appreciate, I appreciate you putting it that way too, because we try to act like, if you say tradition, it's like you, you said a bad word, you'd have cut somebody out, but you said tradition. And there are some traditions that have been such a blessing to us and still are a blessing to us. You know, the, the reading of the scriptures from, from the, the pulpit on Sunday, that's, you don't have to do that. The Lord didn't say every Sunday, now get up, read from the, but that's a tradition that's been established from generation to generation that is a blessing. Um, you, you talked about the Lord's Supper. He didn't say how often to do it. He just said as often as you do it. And then uh, our background, our, our tradition has been uh, once a month. And I, I, I appreciate that, that every month we set aside a period of time where the body of Christ reflects upon the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, um, and, and then you know, the, the meeting on the Bible study at the midweek, that, that's nowhere in scripture that said you got to study the Bible every Wednesday or wherever your midweek is at your church. That's a tradition. You and I know, Jay, the, the early church, they got together every day. <laughs> they, they, was, they broke bread together daily as they reflected upon and, and, and they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine every day. Yeah. And so for us, that tradition of having something in the midweek, um, the, the, the way we do service, the way we sing our songs, um, our tradition is not just uh, one person that does everything, but it's, it's the body that participates. It's the congregation that joins in with the song. I, I got to admit that I do have a great affinity towards a call and response with the preacher. Or Pastor Arthur Johnson used to pastor the Friendship Baptist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. My dear friend Ron Covington is doing a wonderful job there now. And Dr. Arthur Johnson used to say that saying amen to a preacher is like saying sick him to a dog. So uh, I miss that call and response. I want, I want somebody, uh, when I'm preaching the word, to holler back at me, to say something back. So that, that's a wonderful tradition that I appreciate. Sunday school is a tradition that we have that 
that we pour into our, our people the word of God and give them a chance to dialogue and be a part of that. So we have quite a few traditions that we've held on to for 100 years and, uh, and still hold on to them. Because my, my thing, and, and you know we've made some changes, but my thing is if it's not broke, don't fix it. Why we, don't just change something just to say we change something. Yeah. The change ought to be, from my perspective, to help us to live out the vision and mission of the church, which for us is evangelism and discipleship. And so those traditions, for 100 years, we've had Sunday school and some midweek and the way we do Sunday morning worship and that call and response. And I love all of that. I yeah. love it all. And what you, one of the things you talked about was that call and response piece. And uh, as we know, as black folks in America, our culture is tied into tribes. And so for us to be on social distancing and physical distancing and not being able to fellowship and come together has been very challenging for us. But as you said, sometimes it's, sometimes it's the times that force us to change as we are experiencing now, these times that are forcing us to change and how we relook at some of these traditions and really uh, reflecting and thinking on the difference between substance and the symbol. So a lot of, you know, I've seen a lot of posts now that people are doing communion, um, you know, at home. And like we're telling our congregation, get you some bread or crackers or whatever you want to use to represent the body. Get you some water, juice, some wine, whatever you wanted to use to represent the blood. And, and then I see a lot of people online talking about how, you know, communion is not supposed to be like that. Certain people are supposed to, you know, uh, uh, pass it out to the congregation and there are certain things that we're supposed to use specifically for the body and for the wine. But as you say, times are now forcing us to change, but just because we are in bad times, it doesn't mean we can't uh, readjust. And as Peyton Manning would always do, call an audible uh, to ensure that we continue to reflect on these things. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, our, our dear friend, Dr. Ralph Douglas West Sr. Uh, has a conference called the Issachar Conference. And the reason why it was called that is because in scripture, the sons of Issachar understood the times and knew what to do. Our issue is we don't understand the times and we have no idea of what to do. Right, right. And, uh, but the piece you brought up with, with communion, it is significant, it is important. Jesus, he commanded us to do that. It's, it's a constant reminder to us that when we come together for communion, to remember the body of Christ that was broken, to remember the blood of Jesus that was shed, and to eat that body and to drink that wine represents internalizing the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we do that with consistency and with regularity and persistency. And he commanded us to do that. But now the way we do it, <laughs> We, what you say, what people say, well, only certain people are supposed to serve it. That's not how it was. That's not, no. Even, and we learned a little bit about that, unfortunately, from the church at Corinth, which is the worst church in the Bible. Uh, and, and Paul wrote that letter that we got about them, about all those gifts of the Spirit and, and communion and all, because they, so, they were in so, so much disorder. But uh, uh, the early church, when they would have communion, it wasn't just a, a piece of cracker and a little a cup of juice, they would have love feasts associated with the Lord's Supper, and they would bring meals. And so people that had resources would share with those that were in poverty. 
And it was a love feast, they called it. And it is in the context of that love feast that they would eat of the bread and drink of the wine representing the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If the, the idea is that the person that spoke to you, if the idea is only ministers and deaconias can do this, deacons, then the uh, apostle Paul said, we all ministers. <laughs> it's not just somebody who's ordained, uh, but we're all a part of a royal priesthood. Uh, Martin Luther talked about the priesthood of all believers. So all of us are priests. Yes, sir. But it's really not, the important part is not who's passing it to you. The important part is your mentality and mindset on your receiving it and receiving it to remember a representation of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I hope people don't, don't get so, so caught up in the tradition of how we do it that they miss out on the reason why we do it. And that has always been my issue in, in pastoring St. Paul Church in Terre Haute for three years and Eastern Star Church for 32 years. Y'all don't get so caught up in, in your words that you just said, Jay, in, in the symbols that you miss out on the substance. Why are we doing this? It's what's significant and not always the how. But I, I, I do know that, you know, somebody for 32 years in their ministry and their pastor has, has done things a certain way, then that's a part of their psyche and their mentality and their mindset. And as you say, maybe God is trying to get us to look at things differently and trying to get us to do things differently, at least during this season. Right. So, I mean, with that, with that being said, like we take time to appreciate traditions and reflect on traditions and honor traditions, knowing that it's the tradition of preaching the Bible. It's the tradition of the story of the gospel. It's these traditions of the church that help shape our faith and help us uh, to grow deeper in Christ even today. So we appreciate the, the traditions on one hand, but then on the other hand, there are people who allow the traditions to keep us from truly experiencing God or to uh, help us to understand the true substance. How, have, how has traditions that you've seen in the past, how have people allowed traditions to get in the way of God wanting to do a new thing? Yeah, I, I think sometimes we're just, part of it is we don't read the Bible. So, so some of the things we do have nothing to do with scripture. So if, if the scripture says thou shalt and thou shalt not, that's pretty clear. You know, he, he commands us to do something. Um, but if we're not careful, we'll allow the way we have done something for so many years. Like one tradition is uh, the black church has had church at, and it's really interesting that throughout our nation, black churches were meeting at 11 a.m. on Sunday. And that was always intriguing to me. I preach across the country. And everybody's service was at 11 o'clock on Sunday. It's not like there's something in scripture that tells us to do that. And, uh, and, and there have been some challenges that have happened in churches where people try to move the time of the worship. And I don't, I don't think they understood that a lot of that came from, you know, our foreparents, our great-great-grandparents. They were picking cotton and sharecroppers and uh, working outdoors. And so uh, they would get up early before the, you know, before the sun got 
so hot by 11, they get up and do all their work. So then by 11, it's so hot, they really can't work out there. That's when they would go to church. And that's where that came from. So it, it's okay to have church at a different time. That was a tradition that I think we kind of worked our way through. I think some of us have worked our way through. And then the way we dress up for church. Uh, a, a lot of black churches still, and it's not, it's not right or wrong. It is not good or bad. We, you're asking me about tradition. And a lot of black churches have dressed up. You know, we put on suits and ties and dresses and, you know, we get dressed up and, and dress hats and which is nothing wrong with that because the idea for them was I'm dressing up for God. But also a part of that was we wore overalls to work out in the field and the farm. And, uh, and we got dirty with those clothes. And so the, the only time we did, we worked every day for 12 hours a day outdoors, picking cotton and digging ditches. And the only time we can get dressed up was on Sunday. Now we got people, they dress up every day and wear a suit and tie 12 hours a day. So the only time they get to dress down is on Sunday. So just kind of understanding the tradition. And I, I mean that for those who want to hang on to it. And for those who want to change it. Because sometimes we're so busy trying to change something and we don't know why it started. And I tell young pastors all the time, you better be careful before you change something. That may be the very thing holding that church up. So you come in and try to change something and the whole thing fall apart because you didn't know it was built on that tradition. Right. Until you come in and build it on the body of Christ. So just it just understanding why have we been doing it like this? That's before we decide to keep it and before we decide to change it and see as the sons of Issachar in the season we're in, in the time we're in, the needs that are going on, what's the best way for us to operate to carry out the truth? I'll, I'll say this about this traditional stuff, and I teach this across the country, uh, that, that in terms of the message of the church, it never changes. The message, God gave us the message. Who, uh, that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the message. The love of God, salvation through Jesus Christ. That's the message. It never changes. The mission of the church, it never changes. Evangelism, discipleship. Go ye therefore into all the earth and baptize and teach them. So we baptize with saving souls and teach them we're making disciples. That never changes. Message never changes. Mission never changes. But now the methods change what's the methodology on getting the message out which is what you're doing tonight son this is just a different method of getting out the message of the love of god and salvation through jesus christ you're just doing it through technology it's a it's a different method right and uh and the mission hasn't changed we're still saving souls and we're still making disciples we're just doing it in different ways and so just knowing why we do something, why why did it why did we change it to get where it is now, and why do you want to change it to something else? So that's my take on all of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what you talked about was having balance really with tradition and modern ways of doing ministry or whatever the word we want to use, evolving versus tradition. And Jesus shows us a perfect balance of that. He was one that would quote scripture. Uh, to Satan, he would use scripture in his messages. He's quoting scripture while he's on the cross. But even throughout his ministry, he would challenge 
uh, social traditions. He would challenge religious traditions. And him being 30 years old, starting his ministry, you know, sometimes I like to say that he was a millennial and getting on the nerves of the older uh, generation of that day. Um, but he, he was still a person that appreciated tradition, all while helping the Pharisees and the teachers of the law understand that God is bigger than the tradition, that God, uh, that we can still be open to the move and the, and the word of God, uh, despite of the method uh, that is being delivered. And so we're in that day now where we have to find, right, the perfect balance. So, you know, as you were talking about in, in the church and uh, pastoring, early on, and even as you're helping younger pastors, once they get into an established church who've been there for a hundred years, now you coming in for your first year wanting to change everything. Uh, that sounds like some experience that you've experienced yourself. What were some things that you tried to, you know, implement early on that you found some challenges trying to do that, some obstacles in trying to do that? And how did you practice patience when trying to change something that you thought were for the benefit of that community and for the church? Yeah, but and and I did, but mine was not. Mine was not necessarily coming in trying to change traditions or anything like that. Mine was I was so young. I was twenty four years old, and um, and they had no idea that they would get somebody that young. They were hoping to get somebody thirty five or older. So I come in ten years, and I'm like the age of their children and grandchildren. So a lot of that was just my age had a whole lot to do with that, and. And I didn't come in making a lot of changes. Uh, when, I, when I teach church growth around the country, I try to get young pastors, and not just, not just young in age, but young in pastoring. I try to get them to understand it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. I didn't have to make, and, and son, you grew up in our church, so you've seen all the changes that have come through the years. I didn't have to do that in two years. I, it took me 32. It's a marathon. It's, it's not a sprint. And sometimes we're trying to rush people into doing something that they're not ready for. And anytime before I made a change, I would preach it and teach it. I would help them to understand, here's what God's word says about this. And I would preach it and teach it. And I wouldn't make the change until they were ready for it. So we're making a lot of, we, we, if we're not careful, we'll make a lot of changes. And people just, they're not ready. And so now the ministry is in chaos. And what you were trying to do, save souls and make disciples. And now you're so far away from that. And, and another reason, like the first year I got to Easter Star Church, I got there in, in April, the first Sunday in April, 1988 is when I got there. You were two months old. So I had a young wife and a young son. And, um, and so when I got there, they had dismissed three pastors in a, in a five and a half year period. And then they went another two and a half years without a pastor. So I went in, I didn't change anything for the first year. And the reason I didn't change anything the first year, because every time a pastor tried to make a change, the first thing the church changed was the pastor. And so I said, well, this, this, I don't, we don't need to do that. Well, I went in preaching and teaching and building relationships. I just loved on the people. They're going through an eight-year storm. They didn't need a bunch of changes. They needed a bunch of compassion. And just the sons of Issachar understood the times and knew what to do. They needed me to love on them. They needed me to care for them. They needed to see a pastor. And that didn't mean that the other three didn't care. It's just their perception of it wasn't that they cared. And I, I wanted to work on that. And then I, I would preach it and teach it. And, uh, and so then we started making some significant changes. 
And and I laugh about it today, but even to go, we, we had a, a service that was at 10.30 a.m. 10.30 a.m. Well, we really didn't start till 11. And that was the really, that was one of the first changes I made. Either start at 10.30 or, or change the bulletin. Don't put on the bulletin that we're going to start at 10.30 and don't start till 11. We start off with a lie. So if we're going to start at 11, start at 11. <laughs> if we're going to start at 10.30, start at 10.30. And let's not lie to the people. So the, one of the first changes I made, uh, the church has started growing so fast that we couldn't get everybody in one service. And when, when you have that kind of growth, one of the things I've discovered through the years nationally in the U.S. is that churches grow can grow physically and not necessarily grow as fast spiritually and not necessarily grow as fast with their generosity. So we have a lot of physical growth in numbers, but we needed to make disciples. We needed to nurture them and we needed to teach people how to be generous. So we've, we, we, had to, we had to figure out something. We didn't have enough room. The building could seat 700. We had 900 people showing up. So I said, we're going to go to another service. <laughs> and uh, we're going to do it at 8 o'clock in the morning and then at 11. So we had Sunday school in between. And there were those that said we just should not have an 8 a.m. service. Now, of course, we went on to have five or six services, three different locations, planting church. But to think that there was a time in, in the history of Easter Star Church where there was pushback to start another service. So, uh, but they were just so accustomed to doing something for one, for what back then, what, 68 years or so, for 68 years, one way. And now here comes somebody who's young, and I was, and not very exposed, and I wasn't. And now I'm trying to say, Here's what we're going to do now. So it, it wasn't just tradition. It was lack of exposure of the ministry and the, how young I was trying to make some of those decisions. Yeah, so you talked about it, multiple sites, multiple services. We've had services in schools and hotels. You've had a Spanish service before. And so you've always been kind of like ahead of the game, if you will, or willing to try things and try certain things. Um, and a lot of people may not understand that or know that about you, uh, that you, you, you are willing to try it. And then you're also willing to, to adjust and change or even stop. Something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tell people, I tell my leaders in the ministry, I said, y'all listen, I have stopped things. I started. So, you know, I'm gonna stop some stuff. You started. <laughs> it didn't work. I'm very pragmatic. <laughs> I'm very practical. After 30 plus years, our church knows that. If yeah. it works, okay, let's keep it. Let's make it better. Let's invest in it. Time, energy, money, effort, whatever. But if you don't have to, I'm like Jesus. If it's, if it's tree A producing, cut it, I cut it down, man. <laughs> Sit up here having a tree with shade and no fruit. Cut this thing down. And let's, it's taking up resources that could be used to help develop another area. So, yeah, I've, I've made some, you know, when, when we celebrate our 100 years, we celebrate all the victories. I'm so glad that we're not telling them all the mistakes I made as a youngster coming up. But my church was patient with me. They, you know, they knew I was their children's age and their grandchildren's age. And I, I was doing things and making decisions like a 24-year-old would make. Um, but if stuff didn't work, we just stopped it. 
It was no, I mean, it wasn't no big deal. Is we go try something else. Yeah. So a lot of people they try to make change for the sake of just making change, not really taking into consideration the data, right, or the result of the change, and then still others are just trying to hold on to patterns and traditions in the sake of of, of, of traditions and not necessarily reading the times and knowing what to do with the times and the times are really challenging us not just in the church but even in school and in family and in community how we define community how we show up for people who are um who are sick or who have loved ones who are passing away how we conduct funerals and how we literally uh be the hands and feet of jesus have now been have now challenged us to change the times have challenged us to change these, these things um, what are your thoughts on, on how the times have challenged us to change, even how we, you know, operate in family and business and all these different areas of, of life? Yeah, and I, I, that's just, and when your, when your brother, uh, Jordan graduated, where, where was that in DC graduated from? Georgetown. <laughs> where he did his master, Georgetown. They had an admiral, I, I got to remember that admiral's name. I quote him all the time. And the admiral was talking about, he wasn't talking about ministry. <laughs> These are people graduating, getting masters and doctorates, um, undergrad work at Georgetown University in DC. And he said, the world is constantly changing. He said, the world is changing all the time. And he says that you, you can handle it one of three ways. You can, you can suffer through it. It ain't gonna stop changing, so you they shouldn't do it like that. It shouldn't have to be like this. So you can suffer through it, or he said you can make adjustments. You know, you just you know just trying to survive it. And then the third option, the admiral said, or you can manage it. And so that's what churches, ministries, fathers, mothers, husbands, wives. It, I was I was on a conference call with four uh, superintendents uh, in, in the state of Indiana on today, and just their challenges trying to use technology to teach their children. But the changes, they're not sitting around mad because they got to they figure out a way to make, so they're making changes to address the changes. And so um, these are just, these, you know, your, your, grandma, your, your great-grandmother lived to be 95 years old. And we can't do ministry the way they used to do it in the 20s. It won't work now. And really, you can't do ministry the way you used to do it 20 years ago. You have some challenges getting it to work then. And the same way with family. And the same way with uh, how you're dealing with life and how you're relating. And all. So you're right. We just have to decide, I'm, I'm not going to suffer through this. I'm not just going to make adjustments. I'm going to manage it. I'm going to be on top of this and make the changes that I need to make to deal with the changes in the world. The world is a global world now. And so it's not just you and your little neighborhood. It's, you know, people, you, you can connect with people around the world at any given time now. And that's it, even in terms of economics and all kinds of stuff. So you're right. But these, this idea of just doing things just to do it, or I saw another church do it, or or another family, you brought up family. Well, another family does it like this. Well, that ain't gonna work with my wife, so we gonna have to figure out the change I need to make here. <laughs> that don't fly at this, at this house. So, but it's not just changing just to change. It's understanding the times, 
knowing what to do with it, not to suffer and adjust, but to manage it. Yeah, that's good. And, and understanding your own personal context. And right now, as churches, as we're all doing digital stuff, we can't look at what TD Jakes is doing and trying to implement that in our own, in our smaller context. Like, yes, we we understand that we need to change, but how does how do we do this change within our context? What does this look like for our resources, for our people, for the team that I have, and what does this change look like within changing within context? Is probably you know how we would how we describe it because what TD Jakes is doing, all of us can't do that. Well, unless you got T.D. Jakes resources <laughs> and, and T.D. Jakes team and T.D. Jakes exposure, I haven't been in the meetings he's been in. I haven't been around the people he's been around. So, uh, but you, you're right, man. Just, you know, there, there's a passage of scripture where this cat had a bunch of money and he went to far country somewhere and he went to another nation or whatever, went on a trip and he left. Five talents with one servant, two talents with another servant, one talent with the third servant. And and the, the one that had the one talent, he got so caught up in the ones that had the two and the five, he couldn't even use the one he had. And I've always looked at my gifts as being, man, some of the friends I have, man, they are major prophets. And I, I'm like Amos. I wasn't uh, a prophet or the son of a prophet. And... Um, and my gift is so small, but I, I stopped looking at what Jake's is doing. You can look at it as a model, but not to mimic. And I stopped looking at how, how gifted other people were. I just looked at the one talent that God left me. And, and I may not be able to do what the two talent person does or the five talent person, but I'm, I mean, I, I can testify that if you take your one talent and use it in the name of Jesus, Jesus can do some incredible things with one town. He can do some great stuff with two pieces of fish, with five pieces of bread, uh, with, a, with a snake. He, now Jesus, man, when you release it unto him, and rather than becoming envious and jealous, and always, you know, it's okay to emulate somebody, but you don't have to try to duplicate somebody. Yeah, that's good. So you talked about, being able to express that talent and that gift that God has given you. And what better time than now to operate in your gift, to utilize that gift, to express your gift. Um, a lot of people right now are streaming on Facebook and doing stuff online, but not, but nobody else can do it the way you do it. As, as pastor Johnson say, if you would just go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you ain't lying. No matter what TD Jakes is doing, he can't preach like you, son. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> people kill me, you know, and, and we, I love T.D. Jakes. It's a great model for ministry, and I know I've learned so much from it. And I appreciate what God's been able to do through his, through his life and ministry, family. Uh, but, man, I tell preachers all the time, you cannot preach like T.D. Jakes. But T.D. Jakes can't preach like you either. <laughs> if you go to be yourself in your preaching. And what you bring to the body of Christ is so unique. And many of us, here's what my mentor used to say. He used to say, all of us are born valuable originals. And then most of us die cheap copies. We spend our whole life trying to copy somebody else rather than be the valuable original that God has made you. So he's given you a unique way to think and a unique way to minister, a unique way to serve. And we're so busy becoming jealous and envious of somebody else or 
as I went through a season is not having an appreciation for our own gift until the body of Christ is missing out on it because you won't just go ahead and do it the way if 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 what you if, you know and God has blessed our little ministry and we got some resources of team and and all of that but if all you have is a is a is a, a phone and you just video yourself and then get it through your social media then do that I can take that and use that and uh, but you you don't want to sit around doing nothing in a time where so many people need the body of Christ to operate in the gifts of the spirit. Yeah. So we talking about traditions and talking about how the times every now and again will force us to change and relook at traditions or, you know, even reuse traditions differently. What I've, what I've been able to see during this time is like the changes that have been happening somewhere or another, somewhere or another, it's forcing us back to the beginning. So like with the early church, the early church didn't start off with mega churches and thousands of people showing up to one, one space. It started off with people's homes and their, and their own families and friends and eating with each other. They didn't have deacons passing out communions, but they were dishing out communion themselves. And now we're back to that. 1920, we celebrating 100 years of Eastern Star Church. Well, Eastern Star Church didn't start off with three locations. It started off in somebody's home. And so now we're back to that. And so it's it's just funny how the times have gotten us back to the tradition, even though it looks different with social media and with all these different things that are going on, we are still uh, kind of reflecting and living out these traditions that started this whole thing. And I want, as we close today, Doc, I want you to kind of just help us to understand that the importance of the substance over the symbol, um, the importance of being able to understand why God has called us to do these things as opposed of how we get it done. Yeah. Um, people are so, uh, people are frustrated. Well, here, I'll say it like this. I wish people would go back and read the scriptures. Just go back, open the Bible and read it. We go, we like to go online and read what somebody else said about the scripture or hear what somebody else said about it. And I know I do that. I read what other people say. I want to hear their insight. I listen to other people preach. I do that every day. Um, but I wish we would just go back and open the Bible and read it and see how the early church operated and what God gave to us and, and to understand what God was seeking to do in our life. And you're exactly right. We're getting, we, we guess we're forced to get back to it now. But I, I listened to uh, one of our high ranking government officials of the United States said Easter is coming up. And it's a shame that people won't get to go to church. Well, we do enjoy going to church as Christians, but we don't just go on Easter. We, we, we go every week. We, we, we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. That's why we meet on Sunday. So when you have these non-Christians trying to tell us something, I'm not getting my theology from somebody who's never invited Christ into their life with, with the Holy Spirit's not in them, bringing them no revelation, and they have no idea of what the scriptures say. I'm not getting my theology from you. The early church celebrated the resurrection in houses. They didn't just celebrate it in a temple. They didn't just celebrate it in synagogues. They celebrated it from how they broke bread from house to house. When Jesus was raised from the dead, 
the first place he went was not to the temple. He went to the house where 11 disciples were locked in and they celebrated the resurrection in the house. And so we're, we're doing that now. I won't be able to be in the house of God, but I'll celebrate the resurrection in my own house. And in my own house, I remember Jesus died on the cross. In my own house, I remember God raised Jesus from the dead. In my own house, I remember his grace that allowed me to be saved and the blood sacrifice that he made. And I will celebrate the resurrection in my house. And I'm going to encourage thousands of people around this nation and world that are going to stream in to the Eastern Star Church or get to us, however they get to us, to just go ahead and celebrate. Why would you sit around crying on the day we celebrate the resurrection? That, that's not a time for crying. That's a time for celebrating. And so uh, the, I'll, I'll tell this story. I know you're trying to wrap it up, son. I'll tell this story. And I love this story. I was driving from our Fishers campus in Fishers, Indiana on I-69 going south. I was heading to our main location uh, in Indianapolis uh, on East 30th Street. And I saw in my rear view mirror, side view mirror, there was a, I saw a Bentley emblem pulling up. And you know, we don't see a lot of Bentleys. We may have a lot in Indiana. We don't see them all the time. So this Bentley emblem was coming. I caught it in my side view mirror. And so I slowed down to let that Bentley emblem catch up with me. And then it was a Bentley emblem, but the car wasn't a Bentley. You know, Bentleys speak of class and status and culture and resources. I know a Bentley when I see one. I don't own one, but I know one when I see one. Somebody took a Bentley emblem. I don't know where they got it from. And put it on a car that was not a Bentley. So they had a Bentley symbol, but no Bentley substance. And I'm like, why would anybody do that? And the Holy Spirit said, Jeffrey Johnson, that don't just happen with cars. It happens with Christianity. You got people who sit up with, with symbols of Christianity with no substance of Christianity. People who get baptized who've never been born again. Symbol, but no substance. People who take the Lord's Supper but who have no lifestyle, who have not internalized Jesus. Symbol, no something. And you know, we got all kind of people that wear crosses. It is crying about somebody hurt my feelings. Crosses are not just for wearing, crosses are for bearing. Jesus died on the cross. And now somebody hurt your feelings, now you ready to give up because you got the symbol with no substance. And here's why we do that. Because if you want the substance of a Bentley, it got a cost to it <laughs> and it, it, you got to pay a price to roll like that and we sit up and want to sit on the left hand of jesus and the right hand of jesus in in the, in glory but we don't want to be baptized with the baptism he was baptized with and we don't want to uh have to suffer the way he suffered and drink of the cup that he drank of we don't want to have to go through what he went through we want to reign with christ without suffering with christ bible said but you don't suffer with it you can't reign with it and so this is the time, especially on Resurrection Sunday, let's take the focus off of the symbol and put the, put the, the focus on the substance that I'm going to internalize Jesus in my heart, in my mind, and in my soul. I'm not just going to eat a cracker and drink some juice, but I really want Christ in, in my soul, in my heart. I want him to be inside of me. I want the substance 
of a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and not just a symbol that in two minutes we're done with. So hopefully we'll roll uh, with some substance on this Resurrection Sunday and not just grabbing a Christian emblem yeah. and then trying to get mad at somebody because we don't want to focus on a tradition that really is out of your denomination or your church or your experience and not necessarily from scripture for the body of Christ. We get caught up in all these symbols and traditions and we don't even, even if this was a normal Sunday taking communion, we don't even use what they use at the last supper. They had bread and wine. We opened up wafers and juice in a one yeah. cup. Yes. Packaged. Uh, and so just the thought of uh, traditions and symbols and how we've changed uh, throughout the year, changed the symbols, but maintaining the substance. Hallelujah. Right now I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to use some Merlot or some grape juice <laughs> as we are celebrating the resurrection. <laughs> Don't change. Use the grape juice. We all would. I forgot what church I was at. That was not grape juice. I forgot where I was. <laughs> so they took the scripture literally. Yeah, you they drink it like literally. a grape juice and then you realize, wait a minute, this is not like <laughs> Yeah, this ain't the grape juice from Easter Star Church. <laughs> so as we are uh, celebrating, uh, celebrating Easter and Resurrection Sunday Easter Star Church, there's something special that we are wanting our uh, congregation, our members and family and friends to do with the church. You want to explain that to, to the people as we enter into Sunday? Oh, well, I, I assume you're talking about the T-shirts. I do two yeah. things. Uh, let's, let's talk about the T-shirts first that uh, even as you're wearing tonight, I, they should have told me I would have put on one of my shirts from Easter Star. Yeah. So through the years, we have had T-shirts and polo shirts, and uh, KJ said, y'all should wear the, the Easter Star Coogee sweaters. I'm like, man, I forgot all about those things. You were probably in college when we did that, son. But we've had all these different uh, T-shirts and things, so we're going to put those on. We didn't get a chance to get our 100-year uh, T-shirts because of the crisis that the nation has said. But we're going to just wear your Easter Star Church T-shirt or polo shirt as Jay is uh, modeling for us this evening. And then take, some, take a picture. Take a selfie, send it to us. Have somebody take a picture of your family. Lady Sharon and I, we've already put our stuff on social media so y'all can see how y'all could do it. Uh, with our T-shirts of Easter Star Church. And then send that to us. And, you know, tag us on Instagram or Twitter, um, uh, our website, easterstarchurch.org. Get those photos to us. Mail them to us uh, if you still use those kind of cameras and film and that kind of thing so that we can, so that we can share it with the rest of the body of Christ. So get your T-shirts, take those pictures, and get them to us as quickly as possible. And then the other thing is we are having communion. I will be preaching. I'm going to do like my grandmother. If the Lord says the same, if the Lord wills, I'll be preaching Resurrection Sunday. And when I finish preaching, we will remember and reflect upon the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So grab a piece of bread in your home or a cracker or wafer in your home. Grab some kind of juice uh, or water or some kind of liquid. And I'll, I'll walk us through it and pray us through it and, and help us to remember what Jesus has done as we represent the, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus and internalizing it. 
I want to take it a step further. And for people who will be uh, participating in communion with us, uh, you should take a picture of how y'all set up. Take a picture of what sub- yeah. uh, symbols that you're using for the substance. Uh, make sure it's appropriate for church yeah. uh, <laughs> social media platforms for us to use. <laughs> Uh, but let us know how you set up. Let us know how you uh, referenced and reflected and celebrated uh, the early church uh, during our time as we take a communion from home. We work from home. We homeschooled. We've done all this worship from home. And now we'll be taking communion from home uh, this Sunday. And uh, as long as we have to, uh, as we continue to celebrate that that Last Supper. So, Hey, son, before you wrap it up. Uh, I mean, so you just made me think about one of the traditions we change. You know, Eastern Star Church, you've seen all those old people. We dressed up, man. They had tuxedos on, bow ties, gowns. They had. And uh, so after I've been there a couple of years, we went to, we during the summer, we changed in the summer, we would go to what we called come as you are. Yeah. So you had to put on suits and ties. You just, man, we changed that from come as you are to Christian attire. <laughs> <laughs> Christian casual. Man, we said come as you are, and people were coming as they were. I was like, this is not appropriate for worship. So Christian casual, we changed it to. But that's one of the traditions that we had to go back and relook at. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. So hey, keep it Christian casual this weekend as you take your pictures of your T-shirts and apparel and taking pictures of uh, the symbols that you're using for communion as we continue to honor and celebrate the blood work of Jesus and the gift of salvation through the sacrifice that he uh, gave on our behalf. And so Pastor Jeff, Jeffrey Johnson Sr., thank you for sacrificing your time with us this evening, as always. And we'll continue to... <laughs> we'll continue... You're welcome, son. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll, we'll continue to uh, deliver as many conversations about the kingdom as we can. Because as you said... I think it was last last Sunday conversations from the cross. If crisis does anything, it helps shift our conversations. Hallelujah to the Lamb. You to have conversations about the kingdom and about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Listen, for those who are uh, tuning in, we appreciate however you watch this or listen to this via be YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, like, and comment. If it's on iTunes, podcast, Google Play, Spotify, rank us. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Wow, you see Eastern Star Church. Uh, for more information, just go to our website, EasternStarChurch.org. You can figure out how to give to our ministry um, as we continue to be a blessing to our community, this country, and world. Pastor Johnson, thank you, sir. And we'll see y'all next time. Bless you. Peace.